see if this thing's going to obey me. Look at that. It's obeying me. Oh, well, Lord, I just want to thank you for who you are again. Father, I pray just your blessing upon this time. Father, I pray your blessing upon my mind and upon my mouth that I'd be able to lay down what you want to be laid down this morning. And Father, I pray that everyone here would be able to pick up what I'm laying down. So Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your great name. I thank you that you care about us. Amen. Well, you can see what it is up there. But this morning, I kind of want to talk about cultivating, creating an environment. See, I, I believe the church, I believe that we're designed to create an environment for people to increase, for people to grow, for people to feel healthy. That's what we're here for. Kind of like the, the hospital for the soul, I guess, right? But not just in that way to where we're here to fix everything, but just in a way that we're here to create an environment that, that warms people, I guess. So I want to encourage us today in that regard. And I kind of want to start, it looks like I'm going to talk about farming, but I'm not. I just like to, I wanted to use the word cultivate, and there it was. So I'm not going to talk about farming, but I'm going to talk about some other things. It kind of alludes to that, I guess, but here's the big deal. You're created in his image, right? It's one of those things we all know, but it's one that we struggle realizing sometimes, I think. So the basis of today, the basis of what I want to talk to you about today is that we are created in the image of the creator. That means that we are creators ourselves. See, God's first brushstrokes were to create an environment where those who were made in his image were able to thrive, were able to flourish, were able to increase and to grow. And this should be our focus as a church family. This, is, this should be our focus when we come here, we should be focused on building each other up and increasing, uh, causing each other to grow, right? It's very simple, simple, simple thing. Um, but we should be doing it not only here, but we should be doing it ourselves in the marketplace, in our jobs, at our homes, with our sons and daughters that don't come here with you know, the people just all around us that don't come here, we should be doing that a lot. I know this is what I talk about every time, but this is what I am. This is who I be. So you got to deal with it. <laughs> but you're created in his image, so you're a creator. So we're here, we're, we're, just like he created the garden for Adam and Eve. This is humming a little bit. Or is it just me that can hear it? Sorry. Okay. It just seems like there's a lot of bass in my voice. Bees. See, do you hear that? So uh, we should be creating environments, like I was saying, because uh, we're created in the image of the creator, so we should be painting an environment, if you will, for people to flourish. So I'm just, to back it up with scripture, some the stuff that we already know. So God created human beings in his image. This is from Genesis 1, 27 through 28. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. 
Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. See, he, he created Eden. He created that garden to be an epicenter. We always think of it because it got closed off, right? So it got shut down. So we, we always think of it as this tiny little space, right? It's the place that Adam and Eve could walk from one end to the other. It's a garden, right? But that was just the starting point in God's vision, right? That was just the beginning. That was the foundation because he tells them to consume the whole earth. So that wasn't earth, right? The Garden of Eden wasn't earth, <laughs> it was a spot on earth that was intended to grow and to flourish and to thrive and to increase and to continue going and, and continue until the whole earth was covered with the glory. That's you and me, his glory. Until the whole earth was covered. That's what the whole point was. So see, I see the church the same way. See, we're supposed to be an epicenter that's what we're designed to be, an epicenter. We're supposed to be the place that the glory of God is here, and then we grow from here. A lot of people think that the church is supposed to grow, and the church should grow. But the church should grow only so that we can grow out. Does that make sense? So that we can grow out into our city. So that we can grow out into the region. So that we can grow out into the state. So that we can grow out into the tri-state area. So that we can grow out until the whole earth is consumed with his glory. So we're to be an epicenter because the kingdom of God was always designed to work from the inside out. It's how we're even designed. We're created in his image, right? Nothing happens without this, this heart. It's on the inside and it flows out. Same thing. It's the same idea. This church should be the heart of this grand city. And all the other churches too. The church of Grand Forks should be the heart of this city. We should be beating for this city. See, the garden was to be the very epicenter of life, ever increasing, ever growing out from that one place. And the earth was created truly. Okay, hold on to your horses. But it was created truly to evolve from that one place. I know that's a naughty word, but hold on. The word actually means to develop gradually, especially from a simple to a more complex form. That's all we're talking about. So when I say it was designed to evolve, we're designed to grow, we're designed. You get that? But here's the cool thing. So the church was created by Jesus in much the same way. He took 12 guys, said, go. Simple. And now we here sit because of 12 dudes and Jesus and everything else in between, right? But I'm saying simple to complex. We, the church is so complex now. It's so complex. Reaching all over the entire globe from 12 guys and Jesus. Here's the other cool thing about the word evolve that I thought was neat. I didn't know this. It's a science thing, chemistry. David, you might know. It means to give off, give off gas or give off heat. And I got really excited last night. It was like late at night when I was getting off work. I worked nights last night, so I got off at 1230. 
and all week long I've been struggling. So like normally I, these things develop for me. So I could never preach like once a week like he does, right? Like Pastor Terry does because I need to develop these things. They have to like be processed in my mind over and over. So like all week I had like four things written down and I'm like, well, this is going to be over quick. <laughs> you know, like, oh, <laughs> see how this goes. I guess everybody will be happy. They'll get home for lunch earlier, but you know. But then last night I, I just, I had this, this whole, this, I've had this idea written down forever. Like in my notebooks, I've had this thing written down that the church is to be a furnace. So when I read that evolve means to give off heat, that just set off something in my mind last night, and I was like, my keyboard just ripping away off stuff, all this stuff I'm about to say to you. So it's pretty cool. So I just really like that second definition because I believe, like I said, that the church is to be a furnace. A furnace. I know it's like 900 degrees outside right now, so bear with me. Pretend it's cold because I'm going to be talking about heat because our God is an all-consuming fire, right? But luckily it's cool in here today. So just like I mentioned that the kingdom of God works from the inside out, if you know how a furnace works, it works the same way. It's kind of an interesting thing. So I'm going to talk about my furnace because I don't know how yours works, but mine works this way. Oh, this is so fun. Watch this. So here's how a furnace works. So gas from an outside source is piped into my furnace, right? And then gas is breathed in to the little ports on the thing. And you can hear it when it turns on. It goes like that. It breathes the gas into this furnace. And then there's this little tiny igniter inside there that gets really, really hot. And it, it's like this, it's made out of something. Can't remember what it's made out of right now. Graphite or something sparkly. It's something sparkly. It's like black and sparkly at the same time. But it gets really hot. As you watch it, you can watch it. It turns bright orange, brighter, 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 brighter. And then all of a sudden it reaches whatever temperature it needs to reach. And then the gas ignites. And you see four, like in mine, there's four flames of fire just blowing into the center of my furnace. <sighs> like, you know, it's really kind of loud. It, it's only loud when you're standing next to it. You can, you know, like when you hear the stuff come on. <sighs> but it's cool. It's just blowing like, <sighs> blowing just fire into the center of the furnace. Then that flame is blown in, what I was thinking of, is blown into this safe place. Because you think there's gas and there's fire. Well, your mind tells you that everything's supposed to explode. Right? That's what gas and fire does. It blows up. But it blows it in there in such a way, because some bright guy thought of how to do this, and it blows it into this safe space inside that furnace. And then from that safe place, the heat follows these paths all through the vents, you know, all through, throughout the house. And then all of a sudden on the second floor whew, comes heat and warms my room at night when I'm trying to sleep during the winter. Right? That's pretty cool, right? I hope you're already seeing where I'm going with this. <laughs> the church is to be a furnace, right? This outside source, God, breathes on us when we come here. He breathes on us during worship. 
He breathes on us during the hearing of the word, like right now, he's breathing on you. He breathes on you when your daughter sneaks up on you in the middle of worship, and you didn't know she was coming. That's, that's him breathing, right? That's him breathing on us. Love, just loving on us. And when he breathes on us, then our pastors, Pastor Terry, Suzette, or the worship leader, or that daughter that shows up. I had good friend written down, giving the hug, but I like that. You did that because it helped me out. Jen just walked up and crept up on Mama. And, and too, it was like that, and it was fun. I saw the whole thing. I don't know how, but I, I saw it. So then, or a daughter shows up, and, and that person becomes the igniter, the pastor, the worship leader, the igniter. They just get hot because that's their only purpose, right? Side note, the pastor, while they are leadership, they have a, a kind of a weird thing in the kingdom, right? Because weakness is strength. Leaders like myself or like Pastor Terry, we have an insignificant play in this whole thing. We're just the little tiny igniter. If you look into my furnace, I'd have to point at it for you, for you to know. But without that thing, it doesn't light. Trust me. Mine's gone out like three times. Had to change it all that. And when it doesn't light, it just blows gas and it drops. So in the kingdom, leadership has this weird thing of being kind of a, an insignificant role because, see, Pastor Terry can't heat the whole city. Either can that ignite or heat my whole house, right? But when he sits there and gets hot, or like when I'm up there and I start getting hot, leading worship, when I start to get hot, Boom, you're ignited. Does that make sense? Then the flame is blown into this safe place right here. This is the container, the furnace. And then you guys become the vents. Myself too, Pastor Terry too, he's a vent also. It's one of those weird things. Leadership is both igniter and, and vent at the same time. But then see, you go to your job and you're printing stuff off and you're warming your workplace. You get what I'm saying? Or you go wherever you're going, you're warming. You're taking the heat from this building, the furnace that's being blown into your vent, and you get to go breathe on the city. How cool is that? What a good deal that is. Just like that stuff, you know, like, I love that You Are My Champion song. I'll sing that one until I'm dead. I'm not even kidding. Like, that song's with me for life because... It's, I, don't, I, I feel like every week it's the same thing. I come back here saying, I tried so hard to believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've tried so hard to believe this, that, and it just baffles me every time that you would choose someone like me, someone like me that has no significance, no you know, earthly super value or anything. I obviously have value, but I mean, like, there's nothing special about me. You know what I mean? So like, why, why choose a guy like me to be able to lead these people in the worship. It's baffling to me. It excites me. It makes me feel good that I get to be the guy that does that. But it doesn't make sense, you know? So it gets blown around in here. We get heated up, and then we become the vent. Our homes become the vent. See, it's like, I don't know how this works in big buildings, but I have to assume that there's one central place then it blows into another place, and then it blows into another place, right? So there has to be, like, multiple furnaces throughout. So 
big furnace here, then your house is a little furnace, your job is a little furnace. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Your, your, house, your house has the, 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 with your praying and with your wisdom and with you looking out at your neighbors and, and believing for your neighbors and walking the block during the summertime, walking around what, wherever you're going, whether you feel good about it or not that day, you're carrying your heat around. You're carrying that heat around. And I'd like to think that we shift the atmosphere in our neighborhoods from our houses, even if your neighbor's a couple miles away. You know what I'm saying? Because you can probably still see him, maybe. I don't know. Can you, can you see a neighbor from your house? Yeah, okay. But I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're to bring the fire of God to the city. I'm going to bring up a classic one here. This is Isaiah 61. We're going to go there. This is the good stuff. Start in verse 1. We'll go through 7. Just so I can back up what I'm saying. Doesn't doesn't say you're a furnace here. I don't think the Bible was going to use that word. Because they probably didn't have one yet. They just had a fire. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, it does say a fiery furnace, but I guess it does say that, huh? That's true. That is true. That's where they threw those guys in, huh? Was a furnace. All right, so there's furnaces. We're good. All right. I know we all know this one. I, you know, I, we know the Bible so well in this church that I feel like I have to preface every time I say something. Just don't, don't, don't let, don't let it just slide over your head, because I have a problem with that. So maybe I'm just talking to myself. When I've heard something a million times, I have a tendency to just let it all off. You know what I mean? I don't like listen to it all the way. So if you know this one well, listen to it again for the first time. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified, that he may be glorified. This is where it gets good because this is where it starts talking about you. They, that's all those people that were just restored. They shall build up the ancient ruins. You shall raise up the former devastations. You shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. See, we get restored here, right? We get restored. We get our fire back in this furnace so that we can go and restore ruined cities. So we can restore our city. So that we can restore the devastation. 
like Nehemiah. 72 years they tried to rebuild. 72 years they tried to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, but one guy became the igniter, and in 51 days, done. Something they tried to do for 72 years was finished in 51 days because a dude got ignited when he saw and heard the rumors of the walls burning. So I'm praying that you'll be ignited this morning because the walls are burning in our city. There's addiction, there's murder, there's theft, there's all the stuff going on out there in our city. The stuff that didn't used to happen. It's happening now. And it's not because of anything we've done, but we have, we have a mission to our city. And we can do... I always have to say, I always say this to my family because I never want to tell them that they're wrong unless they're absolutely wrong because then you got to do that. But like when they make a mistake, when they do something dumb, because kids do things dumb, that's just the way it goes. But when they do dumb things, you got to come alongside them and be like, hey, so that was dumb, right? Let's try to do this a better way. There's always a better way. Trust me, because perfection, impossible, so there's always better. There's always a way for us to increase, like back to what I was saying. like what The goal of here is for us to create an environment for people to increase, for people to grow so that we can spread out across our city and grow across our city. Get it? But herein lies the problem. This is where we always struggle. This one question. Am I good enough? It's the extent to which you believe in God's goodness. See, how, how much you believe in God's goodness is how much goodness you can give out. Does that make sense? I know it sounds weird, but the, 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 the furthest that I go in my belief in how good God is towards me, that's all I can give you. You get what I'm saying? I can't, if I don't believe that he's good enough to heal you, as an example, if I don't believe that he's good enough to heal me and you need something with your body, then when I come to pray for you, then I, I don't actually have that faith to pray for you. Does that make sense? So it's always about this, am I good enough for a lot of us, I think. It's really a struggle with the church. It's really a struggle with the church right now, I think, in general. Like, if you listen globally, what's happening, I listen to a lot of people from around, like, all over. A lot of them are in California, but there's Texas guys, there's um, Korean guys, there's guys, there's people all over the world that I listen to, and there's the same struggle. There's the same struggle, and there's a lot of people in the church that struggle in believing, number one, in the goodness of God for themselves, as well as for what's outside the four walls of the church. But like I was saying, so that causes us to not be able to minister to our city or our workplace as well, because we don't believe in the goodness of God for ourselves, so we struggle to believe it for other people. So why, you know, basically it ends up being like, well, you know, I guess like you, you don't put any effort in, you know. It's like you don't put any effort, not because it's some intentional thing. Like we might even not know in our hearts and our head that we want to serve our community. We want our people. I want everybody that I work with to know Jesus. I want everybody that I see you know, I want everybody that I see in this city, I want them to know Jesus. 
but how far does my belief in his goodness go? You know what I mean? So that makes causes me to struggle. And I think it comes down to many times we see our sin before we see his goodness. Or many times we see our failures before we see his goodness. Or many times we see our weakness before we see his goodness. See, we always kind of, we're always, what do, you, what do you call it, navel, navel looking? Is that what they call it? We're looking down like this all sad, you know, like that's kind of what we do. And it's really easy, super easy, because, you, you know, it's really easy to navel gaze. Because we just always look at ourselves before we look at his goodness. It's just, it's just the deal with being human, I guess. But it can, you know, it's one of those things where we can get better at. We can get better at looking up instead of looking, looking down. Because, see, here's the cool part. Even though we struggle with ourselves, we struggle with who we think we are, God doesn't see it that way. And I know this is where our minds tend to shut down when I start to say nice things to you. Because it's hard to hear nice things about ourselves because we don't believe them sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But here's the facts. God does not see your sin first. He sees your success. He doesn't see your failures first. He sees your freedom. And he doesn't see your weakness first. He sees your wonder. He sees your wonder, and he says, oh, with one glance of your eye, you've captivated my heart. With one glance of your eyes, you make my heart beat faster. That's in the Bible. It says it right in there. It's in the Song of Solomon. And in the Song of Bambi, he says, with one look my way, you've got me all Twitter-pated. Remember Thumper? He's over there beating his foot on the ground because he's so excited because that little girl bunny running in there. That's, that's God when he sees you. He doesn't see your weakness. He doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see any of that stuff. He sees your beauty. He sees your wonder. He's so amused by us. He's so amused by you. He created you for that purpose, to honor him and to bring him glory because we look like him. And he loves it. He loves it. Because greater love has no man than to lay down his life, right? That's the proof. If you're here and you believe, like if you're here because you believe in what this thing is about, this church thing, this Christianity, if you're here and you believe that, then you believe that Jesus died for your sin, right? Jesus died so that you could live. So if we believe that, which I'm pretty sure everybody in this room believes that or knows it, you know, who knows? I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know what happens in your head. But I know that if you're here and you believe that Jesus died for you, then that means that his goodness is beyond anything that you could actually imagine. Because how, how could, man, 
You, you think of all those guys, the soldiers that come back, that lost friends, those guys that ran in front of them to take the bullet. There's no greater respect or honor that a man could have for another man than when you see their eyes when they talk about that person who jumped on the grenade for them. I, there's nothing. Maybe when a father or a mother looks at a kid, it's pretty similar. But I mean, it's pretty intense, right? There's no greater honor. So we see that in the real world, but we kind of, again, it's one of those things. You, well, yeah, Jesus died for my sin. Jesus died for my sin. We let it just kind of flow over our head because we know it. And then we, we know it so much that we forget it. I had this really cool vision of the cross, which is the ultimate display of his goodness. See, a lot of times we look at a cross, we, we get sad. We, we cry because it was hor horrific. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with crying about it, but I'm saying like we, get, we think about it as a sad moment. And it was one of the worst, well, the worst moment in history. However, I don't see it the other day, I didn't see it as like, oh, here's the, here's the, you know, the, the Roman soldiers, they're like raising the cross with Jesus on it. I didn't see it like that. I didn't see the beating. I didn't see all that. I didn't see, you know, Jesus bleeding down his face. I didn't see all that. This time what I saw, oh, it was so cool. I just saw God the Father up in heaven, and he's holding the cross in his fist. And he raised it above his head. And then he tore down through the heavenly realm into the earthly realm. <clears throat> slammed it down into the ground. And said, this is my stake. This is my claim. It wasn't raised by the Roman soldiers. It wasn't raised by anything that anybody else did. God himself, the Father, slammed that thing into the ground and said, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. You were chosen that before that day, but that day you got your resolution. It's time for us to take ownership of what God's done for us and to have that pride in our eyes when we talk about the man who died for us, the man who's jumped on the grenade for us, the man who jumped in front of the moving bus, the, the, the runaway truck, whatever you want to look at it, however, whatever works for you, but that guy who took it for us, we have to have that pride in our eyes when we walk around our city. When we're, when we're bringing this heat around to our city, we have to have that pride in our hearts that say, that man died for me, and I'll do anything for him. I'll do anything to get his name out there so that everyone will know. He said, amen. Yeah, boy. So I want to encourage you, don't, don't just show up here. That's kind of what the theme is. Don't just show up when you read your Bible. Don't just show up when it's time to pray. Don't just show up when it's time to, time to come here. It's kind of what Marilyn was talking about a couple weeks ago for those who were here. It's time. It's time to push into something. I, I don't know what it is. Pastor Terry will lead us that way. I'll just keep pointing. Hopefully he'll get us there. <laughs> I just say that as a joke, but... I just don't, don't, don't just show up here. Don't just come here because it's the time to come here. It's 1030 on Sunday morning. Don't, don't just do, don't just, just don't. No more. Come here with focus. Come here with intention. Come here to see me. Come here to hug me. 
Come here to hug each other. Come here to surprise your mama. You know? Come here to worship with everything you got. Lay it all out every time for the guy who died for you. Because this is what's cool. Ephesians 1, if you want to go there, it's going to be up top too. But Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, yeah, no, chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. This is Paul praying for the church. He says, I pray that you will continually, this is my prayer for you guys, by the way, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. It's available, it's out there. Immeasurable power. This is in the Passion Translation. But immeasurable power. Isn't that what the whole world wants is power? But we have immeasurable power right here at our fingertips. It says it right here. It's available to you through faith. All you got to do is believe. Yeah, it's simple, right? All you got to do is believe. But here's the cool part that I, I really like. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. See, that's what I'm talking about, that pride in our eyes. That pride in our eyes when we walk the city and say, this guy died for me. He laid down his life for me and he laid it down for you too. Walking around with all that heat in us, that fire that we get from here. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. That heavenly realm which this goes on in chapter 2 to tell you that you're seated there right now with him as well. We're seated in heavenly places with our champion, the one that stands up in giant's fall. That's where we are, seated with him. It's a struggle to believe. It's tough, I get it, because it doesn't make sense when you got to wake up at 4 in the morning to go to work. Right? Whatever. But it is what it is. This is the truth. If we come here and we believe this, this is what it is. Here it is. It's in, the, it's in the Bible. It's right there for all of us to see. That your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. So we're to be walking advertisements. See, we're talking about the cross being the ultimate display of his goodness. You too. As we walk the city, showing the pride in our eyes for the one who died for us, we become the ultimate display of his goodness as well. Look at me. Look at me, Grand Forks. Look at me, Fargo. Or Farfo. <laughs> Look at me. You know? Weak. I got nothing to give you. I got nothing special. But look at me. This same guy who died for me gave immense power to work through me through the faith that I have so that your body can be healed. So that you can feel the immense power of his presence as I sing a song. That doesn't make sense to me either. That I can sing and people can feel his presence. But that's the way it works. What a weird world, right? It's upside down, topsy-turvy, kingdom of God stuff. New life, you are created and designed to be the ones this city needs. 
Don't hesitate because you think we're too small. You think you're too small. Don't hesitate because you think other churches are doing more. Don't hesitate because other places might have more. God will find a way, but why not us? Why not now, right? We're to be influencers. That's a huge word right now, in case anybody wants to know. With social media, influencers. If you don't know what an influencer is, it's just some cool cat that looks wildly attractive, that doesn't meet the standards of normal human beings, that takes their, their iPhone or their whatever phone and they go to uh, Dubai as an example and they say, look at me, I'm in Dubai. And then, oh, I want to go to Dubai too. They've influenced you. This is a real career field that's happening in the earth right now, influencers. I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. I'm sorry, that's the, you guys remember those commercials? Are you a doctor? No, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. Yeah, anyway, it's an old commercial from back in the day. But that's the thing, like, that's what people are doing. I stayed here last night. So therefore, because we live in this weird world where everybody's got to do what everybody else is doing because that person stayed there, I have to stay there too. See, it's this, this thing. I, I have this common theme that I talk to my, uh, Lena about quite often. See, what the devil does is he takes what God's doing, right? God's doing this thing straight. I think I've probably mentioned this before. This is what I know. This is what I know. I only can tell you what I know. But God's doing this thing. And he has this idea, he has a concept for what, what he wants to do in the earth. And then, then the devil comes alongside like this. And you know in two straight lines, when they're going in the same direction, they'll never touch, right? But see, this is what the devil does. He takes what God's doing, and he plants himself into it, and then he kind of goes like this with it. He just veers off. And then he stays right alongside of it to make it look like what God wants to do. And he deceives all of us. And he gets us all going off on this path where we're trying to stay in Dubai or we're trying to stay at a Holiday Inn so that we can be a doctor, but we're not doing what God wants us to do and be an advertisement of his immense power. See, we're to be influencers. This is what God is doing in the earth right now. This is what he's doing. He's using people to influence others. See, it used to be that people would flock to the church, but it's not really that way anymore. It is in certain spots, obviously. We still have big, huge churches, but those big, huge churches are doing things outside, and that's how they become big, huge churches. You get it? Because they're influencing. They're influencing, just like we're attempting to do. This is where we're moving towards by having healing services. Pastor Terry has vision for doing them out into the city and not just here, right? That's the vision that we have, that we're going to be moving and influencing people, becoming an advertisement, you know, healing, healing a, 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 a crippled leg. <laughs> Be dumb, but healing a crippled leg. Hey, 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 I just healed a crippled leg over here. And then guess what? Everybody's going to be one to come. You get it? Does that make sense? When, when God starts to move in power, everything changes. And that's what he's doing right now. He's moving in that direction. But we got to get on board and we got to step into it with him. He's moving in that way. Power is coming in this room every Wednesday night that we've had healing services. 
almost every single one, somebody's been healed of something. It's been pretty wild. We haven't had the big dramatic ones yet. I say yet because it's coming. That's just the way it goes. But we've seen ankles, uh, guys who couldn't close their hand all the way. Uh, I don't know, just all kinds of just like little crippling things. Breathing, I don't know, there's a bunch of stuff. I can't think of it all. But that's what we're here for, to be an advertisement. We tend to be creatures of habit, right? And we have, we have things that we do every day, the same. And Sundays, church can become that thing for a lot of us. So I want to encourage you to not be a creature of habit. And I got a quote from one of those smart people because they say things better than I do. But Bill Johnson, oh, this, let me say my quote first. To be an influencer for the kingdom of God, we have to be at the cutting edge of what he is doing. We have to be aware. We have to be in tune with the spirit and know the time and the place of his moving. Right? Here was my quote. This is, this is better though. Watch Bill. This is what Bill Johnson says. Never stop looking for his new thing. The moment we think we have arrived, we will fall. The moment we lose that hunger to travel to find him, the willingness to wait in line to hear him, a humility to encounter him in a package that might offend us, we're in danger of missing his next move. Wise men still travel. I thought that was really good. Because that's where we need to be. And it really encouraged me because just in the last 18 months or so, so some of you might not know, but Pastor Terry's been flying everywhere (laughs) recently because he's doing this. Wise men travel. He went to see Randy Clark. He went to see Todd White. He's going to see uh, uh, Pensacola. He's going, he, he, sent, he, he sent me and my wife to heaven come in Los Angeles because he knows that wise men travel and wherever that word is, go get it. And right now in our city, this is where our word is. Where you guys, this is where you come for that word. And I hope that we're giving new. I hope that new life is the new life that you need. I really believe it is. And I really thought this was cool because, you know, it really encouraged me because Pastor Terry is, is, is seeing that. There's something happening that God is doing and he's traveling to find it. He's traveling to get fed. He's traveling to eat. Because sometimes you, you just got to go. Sometimes you just got to go. If you see somebody close to you and you have the means, go. Go see them. Go hear them. Go hear them speak. Go hear what they have to say. And it really, it really, really, when I was at Heaven Come in Los Angeles, Bill Johnson is like, you know, he's at the peak right now. He's at the pinnacle of his life, if you think about it. He's got a huge thing going on, like revival's been happening there. People just get healed. Thousands of people in the middle of Russia come to watch him speak, right? He's doing it. He's got it going on, I guess, if that makes it, you know, if that's how you want to look at it. 
But when he came to heaven come, he got up there, and when it was his time to speak, I think he was doing just the offering, actually, one of the times. But at one of the moments that he was up there to speak, he spoke with much passion and much emotion about why he was going to be in every session that weekend. Because he said, I'm hungry for what God is doing. And that's among his own thing. That's the thing that he sees every day. Just like us, we're what we see every day, right? We should be hungry to come here, hungry to be with each other. But that just inspired me that a guy that's seeing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and literally he's got testimony after testimony after testimony. Todd White's the same way. Randy Clark is the same way. Thousands of testimonies of healing, but they're still hungry for what God is doing next. We can't ever just sit back and let it happen. We can't just ever sit back and wait for God to do what he's going to do. We have to push. It's kind of part of the deal. And it's not a striving thing, don't get me wrong. It's a push with the king. It's a push with the king of kings moving forward into what he's doing. I just want to remind us of who we are. I try to say this every time. Every time that I get my chance up here. New Life is a house of teaching, a house of worship, and a house of healing. Our purpose in this grand city and its surrounding cities is to love God and love people by sharing the life of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. That's New Life. That's our goal. So if we're going to come here, if we're going to come here, we have to act this out. Does that make sense? I'm talking to me too. But if we're a house of teaching, a house of worship, and a house of healing, man, we're knocking those things out. We've got to add the loving God and loving people and sharing the life of Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. That's the part outside. That's the furnace part. That's the part where we're cultivating an environment here that sparks growth out, that sparks growth from the epicenter out into our city. So if you're into this, I'm just going to, I'm going to say a prayer, and if you want to pray it with me, that'd be awesome. We've never done this, so bear with me. It's one of those things where I say something and then you say it back. Call and response, right? It's a good prayer. You ready? So if you believe this and you want to do this thing, if you believe that you're part of this and then that you just want you just want to know more, you want to be, you want to push into what God is doing, would just pray this with me right here. Thank you, God that I am made in your image. Thank you that I am seated with you in heavenly places. Thank you that I am who you say I am, even when I don't feel like it. Thank you that you have placed me in my grand city for such a time as this. And Lord, I thank you for my grand city.
I thank you that I have been marked as one who will help this city to prosper and grow in the knowledge of you. God, help me to see your goodness toward me so that I can pour that goodness out on those around me. And God, give me wisdom to walk out the next steps of my life because I have a name. I have been given your authority and I have a purpose. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for that right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. I thank you for those words. I thank you for your greatness in this city. I thank you for your greatness in this church, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be a furnace. Help us understand what it really means, what the depth of it is that you want us to know, that how we can burn so brightly. Lord, I continue to pray. I continue to believe in the prophecy that this church will be ignited. May not be this building, whatever, but this church will be ignited in a visible flame to be a furnace to this city. God, bring your mighty power down upon this building, upon this church, upon the people that call this place home, that we would be burning ones for you. Lord, ignite us that we would be burning ones for you. Father, give Pastor Terry, Pastor Suzette, myself, vision. Lord, I pray that you give us vision to see the future, vision to know. Bring us prophets, God. Bring us words. Bring us whatever it takes to help us to walk down the path that you have designed for us. Jesus, we want to be influencers. We want to advertise the immense power of your goodness. We want to advertise the immense power of your name. So, Father, just come upon us right now. In Jesus' name, as we've prayed that prayer, Father, I pray that we would believe it wholeheartedly, that we would step into the fact that we have a name, that we have a purpose, and that we have a goal in you that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.